gratitude goes out to you today for listening to Eco Radio KC on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. This is a locally made exploration into positive solutions to some of today's ecological challenges for all of us working to create a healthier future for our communities and for the world you live in. Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. My name is Darnell. Today on Eco Radio KC, hosts Richard Mavian and Rich Gutowski will speak with Karen Guta, who is a principal at Elemental Consulting based in Kansas City, Kansas. Karen comes from the utility industry and a decade of experience in on-site and off-site construction. He specializes in new buildings retrofit, prefabrication, manufacturing, and community development. He is a certified passive house consultant, lead GA, Eco District AP, and CNU accredited. Kieran has a BA in economics from New York University and a master's degree in environmental management forestry from the Nicholas School of the Environment at Duke University. This discussion will educate listeners about the need to build and maintain living accommodation in our low-income neighborhoods and how easy this is to do. They will encourage us all to get started. We at Eco Radio KC are glad to encourage awareness and protection of our world. Our goal is to ensure our listeners are aware of how we can create a sustainable present for a sustainable future. This will be a great radio hour. Now our show. Good evening, everyone. This is Richard Mabian. Welcome to our show. Glad that you're here. As usual, we plan to have us a great show. Uh, I uh, have a, I need to take time here at the beginning to make an announcement. And it has to do with that forming of the, uh, what they call TikTok, but it's, uh, they're, they're called, hang on a second, let me get the, the sheet I need out here. Uh, they opened that there was some funding that came from EPA that created a series of what we'll call, uh, 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 uh well, I'll just give you the name. They call them the new technical assistance centers to help communities across the Midwest access historical investments to advance environmental justice. And they open these all over the country. Well, the one they open for region seven, which would be our region in the that'd be Kansas, Missouri, Iowa, and Nebraska is in Wichita, Wichita State University. And lo and behold, they hired a guy uh, named Jeff Stevron that, 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 that I have known for some years. Uh, he at one time was uh, teaching a class up at KU dealing with sustainability. And so when he sent me some information and wanted to know if I could help him out and make sure I would I would read it on the show. And that's what I'm getting ready to do. And also, I'm going to work with him to see if we can't have him be a regular uh, this own. Hopefully this program is going to be so exciting. I want to give him as much uh, chance to to speak directly to you and others about the accomplishments that they're making. So I'll tell you more about that later on, not today, but later on. But but right now, this has this is what I received from him. And let me see if I can get this done They're They're, they're uh, in the process. They, they're going to have jobs available. Okay, and so what we're going to do is make sure we let you know when those jobs have been made available and what it's going to take for you to be able to apply for them or find someone who you know to apply for them. This particular job they're looking at is called a community program coordinator. And so what he's going to do, and this is open to Anyone who qualifies for and qualifies in the sense that you have to have a bachelor's degree and they have to have, a, I think, a year experience working in administration and environment. And, and uh, he, they have a host of things that they list on there that they're going by for 
what needs to be available uh, administration finance environment and related fields and then the other one for the years research data collecting analysis and i'm not for sure exactly what the position is going to be doing but you can find that out i'm going to have the the the, the this um notice that i got from him put on the website of kkfi so you can go in and look at that and we'll have it there uh the place that you can go in and look it up is at the at the jobs.wichita.ed job.wichita.ed and when you go in and, they, and you and you click on the, the job search uh put a community program coordinator in it and that would take you to the screen where it is so just good luck with it check it out and be prepared for these things to come on from time to time now i've done that part and I think I did it successfully. Thank you. Uh, my, I've got one of my one of my persons is not here, and that's Rick, my partner. And I'm not for sure. I've been running, and he all day long in different directions, and he has too. But I have one of our original guys on here, Coran. Coran, say hello and introduce yourself there to you, buddy. Hey, how's it going, Richard? Good to see you. Uh, my name is Karan Gupta. Um, we had a nice, uh, I guess, sounds like it artificial intelligence introduction of myself at the beginning of the program there. Uh, yeah. So uh, former and future resident of Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, I'm currently located in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, uh, doing custom home new construction out here. Um, but I was uh, speaking to you, Richard, a few months ago. I don't remember how long back that program was. And uh, we spoke a little bit about the same topics. Um, so, you know, looking forward to picking up the conversation today. Uh, and, uh, yeah. I, 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 in fact, when I've been talking to Karan, I've told him that this was going to be our update show because we've gone through a lot. A lot of you know that we've had various people on here doing various things, talking about various aspects of it. And I was uh, really excited to bring him back on because he's my guy here in Kansas City, Kansas, that back when we were sitting around having coffee over at the Hilton Garden Inn on 5th Minnesota, we kind of visualized this, this, this um, concept of creating uh, uh, homes, uh, affordable homes. And he had an idea of going in and dealing with the land bank properties and picking up places. And, and he put together a little contest. What's that contest you put together, Karan? Yeah, so it's not uh, live yet. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's still on the back burner. That was going to be specifically for new construction. Uh, I know today we're probably going to be talking a lot about retrofit. Uh, and we can get into that in a few minutes. But yeah, the design competition was um, focusing on land bank lots, uh, specifically narrow infill lots in Kansas City, Kansas. Those are lots with a frontage of 50 foot or less. Uh, and those are prioritized. Um, by the unified government for redevelopment. Uh, so it's a design competition to produce energy efficient, um, cost effective designs for new construction on those lots. And uh, it's kind of been sitting uh, on the back burner. I, I don't remember if I brought it up last time we spoke, but uh, the winning design from the competition is gonna be built as a prototype. But even before that, I'm going to be building a prototype for the prototype. So I'm in the process right now of finalizing the design on that. Uh, should be getting ready to apply for a permit pretty soon and hoping to start construction on that in 2024 um, with a design competition running in parallel. And when we have uh, determined a winner from that competition, um, then that design will be submitted for a permit as well. And I'm hoping to maybe start building that one in 2025. So sometime in 2025, the goal is to have two prototypes of cost-effective, uh, high-performance single-family homes for narrow infill lots in Kansas City, Kansas. And if those prototypes um, prove to carry out the objectives, then the goal is to replicate that process and build more of these homes. Okay, see that that's perfect, and 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 the thing about it, and I agree, we're going to talk about retrofitting, but I'm, that's exactly what you could say. A couple of things there that that, that stood out really uh, as the theme of what this shows talk is about prototypes. 
you know, Kansas City, Kansas is, 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 is smaller than Kansas City, Missouri. We stuck over here kind of by ourselves in many ways. And we want to have a value to the work that we're doing. And so what we dreamed up when you and I was talking and when Rick was around was to create a program that would provide prototypes for others to see to realize this is something that I could do too. See, I'm very adamant about see if I, creating a way in-house from the bottom up to get people trained with the necessary skills that they need to participate in the in in in, in the world that we are 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 are, are advancing ourselves with, and, and that's what we're doing. That's what. That's why it was time for us to come back and bring you on. Um, the only other person I could have had here is our is our is our associate that's in St. Louis. She's a little bit ahead of us. They're actually in the neighborhood, creating work work groups to put together, getting those land bank properties and finding ways to be able to go in and do it. But her first step was creating a workforce. So she's creating a workforce. She's getting them involved in various things where they're picking up skills as far as getting up and being ready for work and having the right kind of attitudes. And she's got some engineers who are going to be working with her to help design the kind of package she wants to design. That's a good thing. So that's where we are with you. That's why I wanted to bring you on because you know what we're trying to do. And, and and basically is to 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 one you know we have four cities we want to create this four city project and uh, and those cities is Patterson New Jersey Kansas City Kansas Tacoma Washington and Birmingham Alabama I mean when we do this and we talk to people immediately their cities I mean those were the original four since then we probably had 10 more cities it's go oh y'all do this let me know I want to be a part that's going to happen that's fine we want to try to take some of the pressure off of the the individual locations as being the only place that people who are or, or, or in need of job training have to look to to get that you know we need to figure out we want to be able to have a place where that's what folks are really focusing in on if rick was here he would be talking about the the, the creating the 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 b the b corporation which deals with uh which deals with the uh uh the type of uh, employment situations that you're creating. Like, we, we're, we're going to focus in on employee-owned businesses. And we're going to have an, uh, uh, he's going to have aspects of it of to be involved with us. You have to make a commitment that you're going to be willing to put some of your earnings back into the community. Uh, you know, we've been running around here since, uh, since, 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 since forever talking about being redlined and treated in ways where you can't get your hands on $10,000 they got to even purchase a, something to get started working. And we want to say we need to be able to what they're trying to do around the country that's coming from the pandemic of bringing the, those businesses back to the local community, bringing ways to get things done back locally and not be dependent on agencies and people from all over the country and in the world as far as goods are concerned to be producing what we're doing. That's what we're going to kind of try to talk about today while we're doing this. That's why I wanted you on here with me. We got one minute left to go uh, for everyone out there. This is Richard Mabian. This is KKFI 90.1 FM, and we will be right back. This is Don Foote with KKFI 90.1 FM, Kansas City Community Radio. Where do you suppose you can find a radio show that tells tales of humor, mystery, sci-fi, social commentary, and pathos? Maybe not pathos, I just really like that word. Anyway, where can you find it? I have no earthly idea. But while you're looking elsewhere, tune in to KKFI 90.1 FM every second Thursday of the month at 7 p.m. to hear the Shots in the Night Radio Theater Group. Are you making a positive impact in your community? Let your story be heard through KKFI's Community Voices series. We're on the lookout for inspiring individuals and organizations that are making a difference. 
If you have an initiative you'd like to highlight, head over to kkfi.org slash community voices and share your story with us. Together, we can create a stronger, more connected Kansas City community. I'm Dr. Anthony Lizowitz, and this is Climate Connections. Going solar can lower people's monthly utility bills. But not everyone can install solar panels on their homes. Many people are renters, and lots of people who do own their homes cannot afford the upfront cost of an installation. How do they also gain benefits from this clean energy transition? So that's where community solar comes in. Utopia Hill is the CEO of Reactivate, a renewable energy company that develops community solar projects. Subscribers to Community Solar essentially purchase a share of a solar farm and receive clean energy credits on their utility bill to offset the cost of their electricity use. Because of Illinois state incentives, Hill's company was recently able to develop three community solar projects that are specifically designed for low- and middle-income Illinois residents. It doesn't require a credit score. It doesn't require a contract. There are no termination fees. And subscribers can save up to 50% on the electricity supply portion of their utility bills. So it's a model for getting more solar energy on the grid, while also making sure that lower-income people can get the financial benefits of clean energy. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. All right, this is Rich Mabian again. Welcome back to Eco Radio. Uh, as I was saying, I'm here with Karan and uh, I just gave you an explanation of what we were going to talk about. So let me let, let, let's go here. We 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 retrofit. That has to do with um, what 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 what. How would you describe retrofitting, Karan? Yeah, um, there's a number of measures that could be included in retrofit. Uh, and it's it's a big topic right now. You know, you look at the estimated number of buildings that's going to exist in the United States by the year 2050, and half of those buildings are buildings that exist today. So first, I guess the most important thing is to understand why retrofitting is so important. You look at the share of uh, electricity consumption in the U.S. Uh, by buildings, and it's significant. So when you're addressing the building sector, then if you're going to make a meaningful long-term impact, existing buildings are equally important as new construction. Um, besides the fact that uh, they're major energy users, there's a lot of folks that live in existing buildings and that don't necessarily have the means to move into new construction. So there's also an aspect of environmental justice there. Um, but when we talk about retrofit, what it is is basically uh, energy efficiency improvements that you make to existing buildings. And I mean, energy efficiency, of course, is a big part of it, but I guess Another way to describe it will be performance upgrades. You know, okay. uh, one of the big ones that is talked about is air sealing, basically making an existing building leak less air. And the reason that's important, there's a number of reasons. From an energy perspective, uh, you know, everybody talks about insulation. Insulation is huge. I'd say it's number two, but number one is air sealing because think about if you got like a real nice, uh, warm, puffy jacket on. Uh, if you don't have it zipped up all the way, it's not going to do you a lot of good, no matter how thick that jacket is. So it's basically the convective heat transfer through the movement of air. And when you have a leaky building, that could be gaps and cracks around windows, around doors, uh, in your foundation, um, where the walls meet the roof. And, uh, sorry, we got a bad storm over. We're on that. You might hear some thunder in the background. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, all these places where you can leak air. Uh, in the wintertime, that's the heat leaving your building and cold air coming in to take its place. And in the summertime, the reverse of that. Uh, right. air infiltrating the building and the cold air getting pushed out. So that means your AC has to work harder. That means your furnace has to work harder uh, and you're consuming more energy. So weatherization, air sealing, that's a huge one. Um, and, you know, right before the show started, you and I were talking about uh, Metropolitan, Metropolitan Energy Center. They actually just put out um, some data. I just saw this last week. Uh, that showed the health benefits of weatherization when you reduce that air infiltration. Uh, I'm just going to read you a quote here. It was as much as a 33% reduction in the frequency of acute care visits for children with asthma. 
uh, and that's for homes that receive those energy efficiency improvements. Right. So that's huge. You know, we were talking about the environmental justice piece of this. Um, so it's not just the energy efficiency, it's the indoor air quality, because again, when you have that air leaking in through those gaps and cracks, uh, you know, it's coming in from the crawl space, it's coming in from the, you know, inside of your wall, and there could be right. old dust, all kinds of stuff that you don't want to be breathing in and it affects your health. Um, okay. and it's especially important for vulnerable populations, children, the elderly, uh, right. the sick. So uh, there's that. So retrofit is air sealing. It's also insulation, which I mentioned a minute ago. Um, so that could be insulation in your wall cavities. That could be insulation in your roof system. It could be uh, upgraded windows that have a higher or a lower U value, higher R value, a more insulating value. Um, and then there's also equipment upgrades, you know, replacing light bulbs with more energy efficient light bulbs, uh, replacing uh, HVAC equipment with more efficient equipment, um, you know, water heaters. Uh, a big part of the push right now at a national level, there's federal policy for electrification. Electrification yeah. is another form of retrofit where you're basically eliminating combustion from the indoor environment and you're placing all your appliances with electric appliances, right. uh, water heaters and furnaces being the primary ones. And again, there's the energy efficiency benefit because these new electric heat pumps are extremely efficient, but beyond the energy efficiency improvement, again, uh, when you have indoor combustion, those combustion byproducts affect indoor uh, air quality. Um, you know, you've probably seen some of the political kind of movement around uh, getting away from um, gas cooktops and moving to electric resistance or induction cooktops. Um, and I mean, you know, the data shows like this, this is one of the worst things we have in our houses right now is uh, gas ranges. Um, yes. So, you know, there's all of these things and it's energy efficiency, but it's indoor air quality. It's health. It's thermal comfort. Right. Uh, more comfortable home. Um, okay. All right. Let me let me jump in here. Yeah, now, this is why it's important. Well, what we're trying to do is because I would say I saw a statistic somewhere that like 225 million homes in America are in need of retrofitting. And what you just explained is what they're talking about them receiving. When you have people who are having a $1,000 a month utility bills, it's because of those homes you just described that have the like the coat, but it just not zipped up. And so when you think about this and you mentioned it, but let's go here, that I would say out of that 223 million homes it was talking about, they also got buildings too, we're not leaving them out, but we're gonna zero in on the homes this time, that I would say guesstimate that at least 75% of those homes are located in the inner cities, because that's where homes were built first. And a lot of those, like you said, could be hitting around 100 years old you know you talking this is 2023 so if you go back to 1923 you had homes built in these inner cities and some of them are still existing there okay if it's not 100 years old it's 75 years old the point about it those homes have in many ways outlive their usefulness as far as their construction is concerned. Walls are cracking. Basement walls are cracking. Pipes in the ground are quite cracking. That, all of that needs to be dealt with when you retrofit a home. So if we're talking about energy efficiency, and you mentioned that several times, that is the key to being able to shore those homes up so that people can have a reduction and a, a reduction in their utility costs instead of us having to use federal money to pay people's utility bills i'm saying let's get people get them trained to do the work in their neighborhoods so that way they can pay their utility bills and fortunately, Biden, regardless of what political party you are, made money available for that kind of work to be done. The problem that I have is that, and it's, I'm not against this, it's because I think it's a part of the package. Most of the concentration is looking for 
contractors that live in the county because they have they but they've had more work at this just like things you were saying they can name them off just like you were saying it but fortunately for you i got to meet you and realize here's a person that works in the inner city that's willing to do this kind of work that can provide that can help provide the kind of leadership we need to the kind of instructors in fact you introduced us to that um uh, bill smart to the Bill Smart, a, a, a training institute from down there in Roanoke, Virginia. Well, we met them through you, so they've been on the air. We've had them on and we talked to them. So we're taking the steps to do it because, see, I feel that what I have seen in our work, the Sierra Club joined forces with me and we did the lights in the home and we did the little minor, what you would call, um, touch-up work, uh, when we would go have meetings and have drawings and people would get a, a, a win the drawing and we'd go in and do a little makeover on the e easy-to-touch stuff, so, you know, putting plastic on your windows, putting things around your doors and your windows to keep the air from coming in. And in time, wouldn't be long, a couple of months, two or three months, they would be coming back to the meetings talking about how their utility bills, they noticed their utility bills were going down. And so that's what we want to be able to do. I tell folks a good example is fireplaces. When you, when you, those homes that were built in, in 1923, some of them had fireplaces in every major room. Only place you didn't have one probably was the bathroom, but you had them in bedrooms, you had them in the living rooms, the dining rooms. And, you know, and I said, but then those people who were living in those homes then have moved out another a uh, 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 core of people have moved in. And I say this in jest, but it's true when they, because I lived in the house that had a fireplace. And after I found out it was an additional job because if you, it's nice to burn wood, but you got to clean it too. And when you start realizing when you out here living the kind of life where you working two jobs and everything, trying to stay above or keep your nose above ground, you know, having an extra job in the house gets to be less and less a, 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 a desire. So what happens is they stop doing the fireplaces. Now you got these just air shafts sitting around in these homes. And that's what I'm talking about can be addressed with the retrofitting to be able to go in and teach people how to do those kind of things. We're not talking about a job where you got to be a rocket scientist. Are there things you're going to need to know? Yes. But we want to be able to provide the use of the world, Karan, to be in a position to have people learning the, the math they're going to need and all of those kinds of things. But at the same time, and then they can be responsible for the project itself but then we want to be able to hire people where they can continue to learn and even be able to pass those certification tests i don't care if it takes from three to ten years for them to do it i'm 20 years old three to ten years i could have my certification by the time i'm 30 i can start my own business because we got that much work out there that needs to be done now, I'm not saying that's the only thing we're going to have. I just announced the job that there's people that got at the new Wichita place. But I'm saying this will be a way to get people who have given up a chance to get back into the workforce. And that's what this is about, job training and workforce development. And, and, and in your case, you're going to be our go-to person because of your knowledge of it, the experience you're getting doing the kind of things you're doing, okay? Sounds great. That's uh, where we are. I see. I said we got a couple of minutes. I, I'll go ahead and finish it up since I got it here. Because when we come back on, we're going to be into, but well, the show goes by fast, don't it? It doesn't take long. Uh, the first, uh, this this was supposed to be, we, we all tee, we right on time. Because when we come back, I want to talk about where are we going from here. I want to also talk about what you're doing uh, that's particular, you know, not just the retrofitting, what you're doing down there in North Carolina. I want folks to know how you're doing it and how you ended up being down there. I think that would be a good way for us to come when we come back in to go into that part of the show. I still see we got a couple of minutes there. I apologize for, for Rick not being here, but 
just like you going through what you are with the uh, weather circumstance in North Carolina that could very easily be happening where he is. Uh, that, that This heat and the rain and the various stuff that's going on has been really putting people in perilous uh, uh, circumstances. So uh, this is Richard Mabian here at KKFI 90.1 FM. We'll be back. This is the Jazz Doc bringing you Jazz in the Afternoons every Thursday from 1 to 3 p.m. I will play jazz from the 1940s to the present with a focus on the well-known and lesser-known artists and their compositions and try to provide an interesting history of the musicians and their songs. Hopefully Thursday afternoons will be entertaining for jazz lovers and those who want to explore and learn more about the genre. This is the Jazz Doc every Thursday from 1 to 3 p.m. The Women's Equality Coalition presents the Equal Rights Amendment, passing the torch to Gen Z in the fight for equality. A panel discussion with Gen Z activists and moderated by Erica Benson, director of Project 28, on Women's Equality Day, Saturday, August 26th at Grace and Holy Trinity Cathedral, located at 415 West 13th Street in KCMO, from 2 to 4 p.m. For more information, visit wegkc.com. This message is a public service of KKFI. Here's a calendar for the week of August 7, 2023. This summer, the Johnson County and United Government of Wyandotte County Health Departments are conducting a heat mapping campaign to locate hotspots. Identifying areas most impacted by extreme heat can help decision makers take action. The county governments are currently seeking volunteers to sign up as community street scientists for a one-day campaign across the two counties and collect data as part of the... 2023 National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration Urban Heat Mapping Campaign. Communities in 14 states are working with NOAA to map heat inequities. Volunteers are needed in Johnson County and Wyandotte County to collect data. The campaign day will be scheduled on a hot, sunny summer day when there is a low chance of rain and wind speeds. Data will be collected at three times during the day with sensors that record ambient temperature, humidity, and GPS locations by the second. Routes have been pre-planned where data collection is needed. It is tentatively scheduled for Saturday, August 12th, but could change depending on the weather forecast. Tentative backup dates include August 11th, 18th, or 19th. No experience is necessary to join the effort. Those interested in volunteering can sign up at redcap.jocogov.org. We are just two months away from the 2023 Paddle Mo Capital to Capital trip. Jefferson City to St. Charles, Missouri, September 23rd to the 27th, launching from Jefferson City for the first time. You can register now. Email mary at streamteamsunited.org or call 573-586-0747. The 2023 Climate Summit will be September 9th at 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at Rockhurst University. You can contact Climate Action Board Chair Hillary Thomas with questions at hillary at climateactionkc.com. Wednesday, August 9th, 6 to 7.30 p.m., Urban Coyotes. What to do if you see one will be at the Johnson County Extension Office, 11811 South Sunset Drive, Olathe, Kansas. Extension Wildlife Specialist Drew Ricketts will share how to keep yourself and your pets safe while discouraging coyotes from sticking around. Register for the event at johnson.k-state.com. Edu. Stay involved, enjoy the summer. You can check your local politics for environmental issues. My name is Liz. Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. All right, this is Richard Babian again, and this is the final part of my show. And as I said, we're going to go into it talking in terms of where do we go from here. Uh, there's one thing I wanted to mention about those uh job things that I uh, mentioned a while ago and, and when you look up the the the, the, the performance or the, the 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 information on the positions on that website that uh, I gave let me get that to you again while I'm sitting here talking 
I'll, I'll get it before we go here. There it is. Um, that's jobs, J O B S dot Wichita dot Ed. Jobs, Wichita dot Ed. When you look up the uh, positions, you get a chance to see that it's a remote position. You know, we're in the new technology world. So you can live in St. Louis, Missouri. You can live in Kansas City, Missouri, Kansas City, Kansas. You can live in uh, Iowa. You can live in Nebraska and qualify for this job. You will be able to work, I guess, from home. I guess that you young folks know that's what remote means. So that's what I'm saying. Don't think that you're going to have to have some, sure, you're going to have to have some kind of connection with them in Wichita, but that's a good job. You know, all of that would be based on uh, the, the the salary and the things that you get for being a part. I just wanted to throw that in. Now, coming back to my, my guest here, Karan, we were talking about where do we go from here. You brought up Metro Energy, and I wanted to mention that I'm that, that I'm very close and been working with them also. And that what I talked about as far as the, the, the kinds of people that will be needed to do the work for the retrofitting and why that's one of the areas that they're working to desperately to raise the kind of funding that's available and programs that will do exactly what we're talking about. I'm one of those persons that because we work in the disadvantaged neighborhoods, I want to make sure that we're giving them the best possible uh, persons for trainers so that they can be able to compete in the world. And if they do it at home, I love seeing when I make a presentation that they can get up in the morning and really walk across the street because every home around them needs to be retrofitted. So it's not anything negative we got to deal with. It's just being able to make sure that they learn how to do the work. So, okay, Karan, what what what, what you going to do from here, pal? First of all, what are, yeah, what are you doing? Uh, what, what, before you go, what are you doing down there in North Carolina? Uh, yeah, so I came secret. back in July 2021. Um, old buddy of mine down here, uh, a custom home builder, known him for about 11, 12 years now. And uh, it was just going gangbusters over here. I mean, they had more work than they could handle. Um, I've worked with them in the past and uh, kind of came back to help out. Um, so I'm project managing uh, new home construction. Uh, you know, we're doing net zero homes. Um, got some passive house projects coming up um, and, you know, it's uh, a chance to help out my buddy, but also it's been a great learning experience for me. I haven't really done construction project management before I started this job and I'm hoping that this experience can help me want to get back to Kansas City, Kansas. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Building and all the subsequent houses. Um, speaking of where do we go from here, so I'm going to talk about the jobs thing in just a second. Before I do that, I want to go back to two points real quick. Um, about why weatherization is uh, an environmental justice issue as well. You talked about, you know, $1,000 energy bills. And most often these homes that need repair, uh, these older homes, a lot of times they're rentals. Uh, sometimes they're also owner-occupied. But uh, high utility bills are the leading cause of both foreclosure um, and eviction. So when you can reduce those energy bills through weatherization, you're keeping people in their homes. And that's right. a big And another point I wanted to mention also was uh, just yesterday, apparently in the Wall Street Journal, there was an article about um, passive houses in Massachusetts. There's three of them side by side, and they're facing triple digit temperatures over there and have extremely low energy bills. Besides the cost, the point is that those homes are more comfortable, more survivable in extreme temperatures, which we're seeing more and more. And especially again in inner cities where you don't have as much tree cover, you have the urban heat island effect, you're getting more extreme uh, heat waves. Um, so again, that weatherization has an outsized benefit for those vulnerable populations. Now, getting to your point about jobs, um, you started talking about the sheer number of buildings that are going to need to be retrofitted. Right. And it's it's mind boggling. You know, you talk about not just the cost of uh, electrifying those homes and air sealing them and insulating them and replacing windows and all of these kind of things. But the workforce, you need to do that. And the unfortunate reality is that the size of the workforce, the number of people employed in the construction trades is going in the wrong direction. Uh, I think last I heard the average age of someone in the construction industry is 43. 
and it's going up. Uh, I mean, the only thing that's kind of keeping in check is that the old guys are dying and retiring. Uh, I guess that's taking them out of the average. Right. But it's a serious problem. And I mean, we see it every day. Uh, and it's not just construction. It's across the board, you know, these kind of uh, things are moving towards a uh, service economy. You know, it's all Amazon delivery, DoorDash, Uber, you know, what have you. Uh, yes. Type of stuff. So, yeah, it's really important to create jobs in this field. And where we go from here, um, a lot of them are going to be conventional. Where we're going to have people showing up on site and, you know, manually replacing windows and so on and so forth. But if we're going to really talk about the scale of retrofit needed, what um, certain groups in the country are working on, some of them would direct funding from the Department of Energy, uh, is what's called industrialized retrofit. And it's basically taking the factory approach to building retrofits. You've got folks that are trying to work on figuring out prefabricated kind of, uh, I used the jacket analogy earlier, basically right. how, how do you put together jackets for homes in a factory that you can ship to job sites and quickly install onto the outside of existing buildings with minimal, minimal disturbance to the occupants. It's a really difficult problem to solve, but there's a lot of smart people working on it. And in addition to increasing the workforce, we have to increase the efficiency with which each worker can retrofit these homes. So, you know, I think it does a lot of good things for the economy. It, uh, uh, yeah. it standardizes things more. So, you know, manufacturing in the U.S. is down. And this could be an opportunity to uh, revitalize domestic manufacturing and it can't be, you know, central plants shipping it out across the country. These have to be localized operations. So I think there's a tremendous opportunity here for not just conventional trades training, but also for new 21st century uh, factory jobs producing these kind of right. uh, panels combined. I mean, I, I, I wish I wish uh, Rick had been here because I you would he would have been able to tell you about the experience I took him on at Bill Smart. He got a chance to see the plant. I mean, he fell in love with me. If you know anything about him, he's ready to put it in his pocket and bring it home. I mean, we talked. He got to talk to him. That's where I met Coran, y'all. Uh, when I first met him, there he was working there. And uh, that's a place where they build, they make prefabricated framing for houses. And that's a sight to see. And I agree with you 100%. I realize that's a wave of the future. Another thing that we need to, to pick up on, and you mentioned it after I made, after they had your introduction, you said it sounded like it was an AI introduction because that's where we're going. People, we're going there. Uh, I'm sorry. Okay, so it won't be tomorrow. Maybe it'll be five years, whatever, 10 years. The point about it, our future generation is going to have to deal with the fact that this 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 world is creating robots to take their place. So we have to be able to figure out ways to, for their 40-year-olds that didn't get the kind of training and education they needed coming up to become those people we train so that they, grandpa, they can see grandpa or, or mama or whoever involved in doing this in their own neighborhoods with their own homes so it'll be commonplace because we don't have the children sitting down in the table in the back room when the man of the house comes home or the woman of the house comes home talking about some successes she had on the job today and how that's going to be a benefit in life as far as the, the cutting the costs for the utilities and just normal drinking coffee, running the meal kind of conversation that those future generations that are in the back room because they're always listening are hearing. Because we need that to come from home. We don't need that to come from people outside of the home coming to you to tell you this is what you need to do. We need those young people growing up hearing Ma and Pa and Grandma and Grandpa talking about what you and I are talking about right now. We need people sitting in their houses today listening to KKFI, what we're talking about and hearing it and making comments about it. So those young people that are sitting back there in those rooms are hearing this conversation too, because what is happening when those kids end up going to school, let's say elementary school, you know, and those teachers start talking about climate change or the subjects that we're talking about, 
as it is right now, it's, it's clueless. They have no idea what they're talking about. But if we can get that conversation going on at the kitchen table in the evening when they've come back in off a job, then we're going to have those kids also talking about, oh, that's what Uncle Bob was talking about. Remember when they was in there drinking coffee and he was talking? Yeah, the teacher that they talked about what he was talking about. That's what we're wanting to add to the workforce. That's the pathway out of poverty is to begin creating that kind of mental concept, that consciousness within the future generations. That's what's needed. That don't come from the government. That don't come from some kind of made up process. That comes from people, they call it conversation analysis. That's exactly what we're talking about, being able to start creating, dealing with work that is the proof of concept. When the when the bills start going down, uh, when you when you're not got other than when the electricity hits, you gotta put your lantern or something on in the house. Uh, people, the kids are growing up with a solution, and to me, that's what what we're doing is all about. Go ahead, Grant. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought up uh, artificial intelligence again. I saw some data recently that was showing how different sectors are going to be impacted by uh, artificial intelligence. And uh, sorry to any lawyers that are listening right now, but the law industry is going to be the hardest hit. Uh, it's going to be most readily automated by artificial intelligence today. And interestingly enough, the construction industry is the most resistant to job loss. From right, right. So, yeah, again, this is, you know, these are... I'm not going to call them future proof, but they're much more future resistant than a lot of the other industries. So right. Long term opportunity here. Right. Uh, and also, yeah. when I mentioned that, you notice I jumped from that, that the here now group that needs to work. And I went to the, the future generation because, see, it's ridiculous for us to allow our kids to graduate from K through 12 and haven't taught them a love for technology and science. That is our responsibility as a human race. We can't keep sitting up going, oh, that's all right, they'll get it when they go to school. No, it's our responsibility to make sure we're providing them with a visual and, a, and, a, a, and an actual hearing of these kind of conversations like we having right now. I did a class with um, at Harmon High School uh, in Kansas City, Kansas, and um, uh, it was with river keepers, and they were doing that scientifically testing water stuff. And they had me come in to just so I could reach the, the student themselves. And I did a PowerPoint on robots, and you know, and I went from uh, uh, them making them and, and putting the skin like stuff on them and putting faces on them and had them walking around and different stuff. And the kids were just blown away. And I, and I heard them, you know, seriously, just talking to themselves about, and dang, man, why, why, why are we even going to school if that's who's going to be doing the work? And the thing that happened, one of them, not me, not one of the other teachers, but one of them says, but they're going to need computers. So that gives us a reason to be able to learn as much as we can about computers. So even then, it's showing them why they need to zero in on this as an employment possibility. Go ahead. We got two minutes, so make it your best two minutes, buddy. Well, yeah, I'm 100. Um, yeah, it's going to be a combination of things. You know, technology is going to continue to evolve, but we also need the workforce to work in conjunction with it. And the thing is, when I was in high school, uh, it's been 20 years now, I guess, since that time. But you know, the <laughs> guidance counselors—they didn't really even tell you that trade school was an option. They didn't tell you that right, right. Option was you take the SATs, go to four-year college, get a degree, and you're going to get a job. And I think we've kind of failed a generation or maybe even two by not giving them that option. And now is the time, you know, the demand is there and the supply isn't. And this is an opportunity to match those back together. As usual, we run out of time. We got less than a minute left. Thank you, buddy. Be looking, be glad when you get your behind back here in Kansas City so I can get you some of these areas that I need your support in. I love you, God. Take care of yourself and be safe. All right. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. We'll see you. Yes, sir. Hello, this is Joseph Jackson. 
Join me on Cowtown Conversations where we will discuss matters that impact your life as a resident of the Kansas City metropolitan area. Every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. right after Democracy Now! KKFI is looking for more volunteer programmers to join our team. We offer training, experience, and a diverse community of dedicated individuals who want to keep the airwaves free. If you are interested, email us at programming at kkfi.org. My name is Darnell. At the end of our radio hour, here's some environmental news for the week of August 7, 2023. Inside Climate Reports. For almost 20 years, U.S. public health advocates have known that toxic chemicals are getting into groundwater and harming human health because of an exemption to the Federal Safe Drinking Water Act that allows operators of oil and gas fracking operations to use chemicals that would be regulated and used for any other purpose. Called the Halliburton Loophole, named after the oil and gas services company once headed by former Vice President Dick Cheney. It means that oil and gas extraction industry can use fracked fluid containing chemicals linked to negative health effects, including kidney and liver disease, fertility impairment, and reduced sperm counts without being subject to regulation under the Act. Data is now publicly available that reports the industry uses 28 chemicals regulated under the Safe Drinking Water Act and discloses them in up to 73% of its ports of fracking activities to frack focus an industry-sponsored database. Far-right conservative groups are promoting a sprawling battle plan to obstruct and undo the federal government's effort to tackle the climate crisis with hopes of quickly enacting a series of sweeping changes if Donald Trump or any other Republican gets elected as president next year. Called Project 2025 and written by more than 350 right-wing hardliners, including former Trump staffers, the plan would block wind and solar power from being added to to the electrical grid. Gut funding for the Environmental Protection Agency eliminate the Department of Energy's Renewable Energy Offices, prohibit states from adopting California's tailpipe pollution standards, transfer many federal environmental regulatory duties to Republican state officials, and generally prop up the fossil fuel industry. AP reports, Get ready to say goodbye to incandescent light bulbs, pioneered by Thomas Edison more than a century ago. New federal energy efficiency regulations have gone full effect. Here's what you need to know. The rules establish strict new efficiency standards for light bulb use in homes and businesses and bans the manufacture and sale of those that don't meet those standards. This includes incandescent and halogen bulbs. Advances in LED technology and manufacturing have dramatically lowered prices and improved quality. LED standards for light-emitting diodes, a semiconductor device that converts electricity directly into light and those bulbs bulbs are acceptable to use. The rules don't affect bulbs that you already own. They also exempt special purpose incandescents such as those used inside ovens. The Sustainability Action Newsletter reports, Earth Overshoot Day happened this year on August 2nd. Earth Overshoot Day marks the date when humanity's demand for ecological resources and services in a given year exceed what the Earth can regenerate in that year. If a population's demand for ecological assets exceeds the supply, that region runs an ecological deficit. Earth Overshoot Day is computed by dividing the planet's bio capacity by humanity's ecological footprint and multiplying by 365 the number of days in a year. It is calculated by Global Footprint Network, an international research organization to help a human economy operate within Earth's ecological limits. EcoWatch reports. 
This August will be treated to two supermoons, and the second will be a blue moon. According to NASA, a supermoon is when the moon is full at the same time its orbit is closest to the Earth, while a monthly blue moon is the second full moon in a calendar month. A blue supermoon, like the one we'll be treated to on August 30th, is a rare occurrence. So try to catch it, as there won't be another until 2032. A supermoon is about 16% brighter than an average full moon because its disk size is as much as 8% bigger, reported the Old Farmer's Almanac. Environmental Missouri reports. Here are some simple tips on how you can save money and cut down on waste this back-to-school season. Make do with last year's item. There's no need to buy a new backpack, lunchbox, or other school supplies if the ones they have are still in working order. Repair what you have. Visible mending gives your kids the opportunity to give their fabric items their own unique style. You can find a lot of repair guides and tutorials and I fix it for you too. Organize a clothing swap. A clothing swap is where people gather and bring some of the clothes, shoes, and accessory they no longer wear, but that are in decent shape, and trade them with other people. That way, you can get new-to-you clothing without having to spend any money. Buy Nothing and Free Cycle Network are neighborhood-based gift economy projects where you can give away things you no longer use and or get free stuff your neighbors are giving away. Ask the nice folks in your local Buy Nothing or Free Cycle group if they have any school supplies they aren't using. Buy secondhand items where possible, including refurbished electronics. If your child needs a new computer, a new calculator, or laptop or tablet for school. No need to go out and buy the newest model. Find one that has been refurbished. They are usually much more affordable and giving electronics a longer life has major environmental benefits. Purchase a reusable water bottle and food containers that they can use for the whole school year. That way you won't have to consciously buy single-use water bottles and sandwich bag that just get thrown away. Just be sure to label them with your child's name. Talk to your kids about taking care of their stuff and how to prevent waste. Empower your kids to be good stewards. Encourage them to take care of their stuff, whether it's putting the cap on their marker, keeping track of their jacket, or not throwing their lunchbox across the playground. Kids play an important role in keeping their school supplies in use for as long as possible. Have a conversation with them about the importance of conserving resources and protecting the environment. This can help them connect the dots between the stuff they use and the impact it has on the environment and hopefully build a foundation for lifelong environmental stewardship. Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. Please tune in next week or listen to our podcast at any time. Good news, good planet, good news. It's time now for your good news for a good planet saving stingless bees. Over 47 different kinds of stingless honeybees live in Mexico. The bee's floral honey is prized for its unique flavor and medicinal properties. Just eight ounces sells for $50 or more. Once an important part of an ancient Mayan culture, these bees are on the verge of extinction due to pesticides, deforestation, and harmful beekeeping practices. Without stingers, they're unable to protect themselves from predators, including humans. But these endangered creatures do have a protector. Efron Cab, a construction worker and third-generation beekeeper who runs a hotline for stingless bees in need. In his free time, Cab rescues hives from unwanted locations and lets them recuperate in his backyard bee hospital, and then relocates them to a hidden place in the middle of the Mayan jungle. Cab's knowledge of the bees was handed down in his family from his Mayan ancestors, knowledge he fears is being lost in the hustle and bustle of modern-day life. Now he's passing this information on to his young son and inspiring others to fight for these small, essential creatures. And there's more hope on Cozumel Island, where the holistic Tikan Retreat and Bee Conservation Sanctuary is teaching visitors how to protect and preserve the precious stingless honeybees for future generations. And this is Mandy from GoodNewsGoodPlanet.com. Good news, good planet, good news.
up a parking lot. Thank you for listening to Eco Radio KC on KKFI 90.1 FM, Kansas City Community Radio. Eco Radio is brought to you each week by a team of collaborators, including me, Craig Lugo, Terry Wilking, Brent Rysdale, Bob Grove, and Dave Mitchell. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests and not of KKFI and or the Midcoast Media Project. You can find our calendar and a podcast of each show on Eco Radio KC's Facebook page, as well as on our show page at kkfi.org. This is Richard Mabian, and you can send inquiries and comments to our email at kkfi.org forward slash contact or message us on our Facebook page. Up next is Fiesta Musicale, followed by Noche Magica. Our outro music is Big Yellow Taxi by Joni Mitchell. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? Ooh.